The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. My govanin and suilade to all my elf friends, I am Tani Tenuviel the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, and coming up in just a few moments, an elvish and hobbitish perspective on life with What Would Arwen Do? This is KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. Just delightful. The music of Howard Shore from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. And that was many meetings. And here it is, December. In case you are just tuning in, I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. And this is What Would Arwen Do? An elvish perspective on life on every other Friday morning. And now... In this new season, uh, I have a co-host, a Hobbit co-host, so it is, you not only get a an elvish perspective on life, but a Hobbitish perspective on life. Good morning, Milo. Good morning, Tani. It's a beautiful Middle Earth day. It is absolutely gorgeous. I always feel so blessed to be here in Southern California. I know uh, many of my friends around the globe are uh, socked in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were socked in a little this morning, driving the apple cart here into KUCI. I noticed a tremendous amount of fog. It reminded uh, me a little bit of the Barrow Downs. Yes, indeed. Uh, hopefully, um, well, you got here safely, so the um, old man Milo must have been sleeping. <laughs> yes, I think he was sleeping today. <laughs> and I was. Um, it was. It was an interesting. It was, it was a beautiful morning, too, where I was uh, waking up over in the phallus. Uh, I love some of these mornings where it's, you know, the sun it hasn't quite brought its smiling face up, and uh, but it always makes me want to stay snuggle in my little flat up in my, my little treehouse over by the back bay. <laughs> but it was beautiful the other night, Tani, my elf friend, when you told me through the magic of elvish communication, that I should go outside a few days ago at night and look at the moon. And it was a full moon, and the moon was smiling down at us. Oh, yes. The moon cherishes the memory of the elves. And that night particularly was uh, incredible. Um, I The moon had just come up over the horizon, and I looked up, and there was just enough, uh, you know, like vapor or whatever in the sky that there was a rainbow ring about the moon i was like i was just i was dancing around in the parking lot <laughs> it was it was quite lovely we 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 elves love to dance in starlight and in moonlight um, so this morning uh some people might be tuning in and wondering what in the world is this show all about um here we are talking about things having to do with middle earth and um this is um so I've been on the air here now, I guess a little over four years, but this is the show where uh, we ask, I ask, if a Middle Earth elf lived today in Orange County, California, what might her life look like? Um, elves, as we know, were stewards of the earth and celebrated life in music and song and creativity. And so I always like to think, well, if a Middle Earth elf lived today, what what would her life look like? How would she be celebrating the arts, music, community, um, 
creatures, the protection and stewardship of the earth. Uh, elves, I believe, did not consider themselves as owners of the earth, but as stewards, and loved to preserve the beauty and treasures of the earth. And so, <clears throat> and they loved their communities. Uh, some people, I've, I've heard some people time, uh, refer often that elves were kind of like kept to themselves, but, uh, I don't, I don't think that was a bad thing. I think elves loved their own communities as we love our communities. And, but when it came time to join forces with others and, uh, for a larger cause, they would, they would come out of their, their communities and, and join forces as we see in the fellowship where many races came together for the, uh, battle for the ring. <laughs> and, <laughs> the, and when the many races of Middle Earth came together, they were successful. Absolutely. And uh, so we like to celebrate. We, we both are great fans of J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, and I love sharing, the, um, sharing Middle Earth with people. For me, it, this has been a little over seven years of my personal adventure of my life as an elf. As I was introduced to the um, world of Middle Earth through the movies that came out, uh, just coming up uh, an anniversary, December twenty first, two thousand one, will be the eight year anniversary of the premiere of Fellowship of the Ring. Oh my gosh! Was it a? It was a hallmark moment, not only in the history of Middle Earth, but in the history of human film as a former. Schlockmeister horror film director Peter Jackson reached into his soul and produced a trilogy of titanic magnitude, not only financially but artistically and humanely, as many people have been affected by that set of films, uh, really affected by J.R.R. Tolkien's spirit, Absolutely. which Peter Jackson was able to convey in the films. Yes, and I know I had read The Hobbits when I was a child, um, well, I think maybe a teenager or something. It didn't really affect me, you know. I mean, it was just—I think it was just one of those nice little books. It didn't affect me nearly as much as Peter Beetle's uh, *The Last Unicorn*. Um, <clears throat> but many years later, and then seeing the movie, actually, I didn't get it about this movie until March, because I had seen it in December. Where I'd taken a young friend of mine, and. Uh, to see it, and uh, she was so scared throughout the whole movie. I just, you know, sh I kept asking her, well, do you want to leave? And she just, you know, would cover her eyes. She'd say, no, just tell me when to look. But <laughs> she didn't want to look at the ring wraiths. She didn't want to look at the Belrog. She didn't want to look at the orcs. And um, <clears throat> so we kind of left the theater thinking, that wasn't good. That wasn't a very good movie. P Harry Potter was much better. <laughs> 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 and it wasn't until about almost four months later when um, I had a week to myself and the Oscars had just come out. It was just about my birthday weekend as well. And I thought, you know, that movie Lord of the Rings sure did get a lot of Oscar nominations. It's a fantasy film. Maybe I should go back and see it again. Maybe I missed something. And amazingly, my life was, overnight, my life was changed, and, literally. And who did you go to see it with the second time? Were you by yourself? I think the first two times I was by myself. And, yes, yes. And, and, um, but my boss went to see it with me, actually on my birthday, which was the following Wednesday. But it was, it, and, and I had been a big fan of C.S. Lewis for many years. Um, so, it, and I, it, it, it's funny because I always loved this one uh, thing that C.S. Lewis often would uh, write about, and, and when he talked about having a baptism of his imagination. And I believe that was through the writings of uh, George MacDonald. And um, and that's what I felt like. I, it was like all of a sudden I had been kind of a nonfiction snob um, for most of my life. I read mostly nonfiction. I mean, I liked science fiction and I liked um, especially science fiction movies. You know, I was a big fan of The Matrix and Star Wars. Um, but as far as reading meant, I really didn't read any fiction. And I wasn't opposed to it. I just didn't read it. <clears throat> and with the, those films... I got the power of a story to convey things. I got the power of archetypes, of mythological living, of things that are larger and larger than life that help us to s kind of see our lives more clearly, if that makes any sense. And um, and it was it just set me off on an incredible adventure because I said, well, what if what if I lived like an elf? 
you know, would my life be any different? Would it be better, any worse? And uh, that started the grand adventure, which has been just unfolding <laughs> for so many years. And now we have the Hobbit movie, the Hobbit movies coming out. Oh, my gosh. And, yes, there is some, some interesting new news in oh, that regard since, yes. you, since you raise it. Uh, we will we will get to the uh, the uh, Hobbit uh, field report in a moment on Thanksgiving, but I would like to mention since you raised the Hobbit movies, um, two new rumors. Two new rumors. Mm. Stephen Fry, the great British actor, famous for four weddings and a funeral, uh, is rumored to be one of the dwarfs. So oh. we will see what that is. Um, and IMDb.com, there's been no change in about a month and a half. So they still list Ron Perlman as the role of Thorin Oakenshield. Oh. However, uh, the HobbitMovie.com, the-Hobbit-Movie.com, recently reported that Brian Cox is under consideration to be Thorin Oakenshield, which would mean that Ron Perlman would have some other role. Mm-hmm. And Brian Cox, of course, the great British actor, will probably follow in the history of Jonathan Rhys Davies' Scottish accent for uh, for Gimli uh, when he does Thorin. So those are two two rumors. Um, however, there is some there is some cloud on the horizon, and I, I hesitate to even say this to the elf who likes to dance in the sunlight and the starlight and the moonlight. Mm-hmm. Um, executives close to the project said that Warner Brothers is now likely to release the first film at the end of 2012 and not at the end of 2011. The second part would be pushed to 2013. Uh, Peter Jackson had said, We're currently working on the second script, which we hope to have completed by the end of this year or beginning of next. When the scripts are completed, we can begin with the exact calculation of the necessary budget. We hope to start filming in the middle of next year. However, we've received no green light from the studio yet. And so that was from a, a mm. German website translated into English. So I am very hopeful, though. A lot of groundwork has been laid. We've seen the pictures of the new Hobbiton uh, as it's being refreshed in New Zealand. So I am still uh, crossing my fingers and and wishing on a star to have uh, a joyous occasion. 2011 at mm. Christmas time would be the 10th anniversary of the opening yeah. of Fellowship of the Ring. So that would be a wonderful date to have it. But you know what? I'd be glad to have these movies a year or two years later because I want them to be done in the right way. Yes. <clears throat> well, I was about to say that, yes, it would be lovely to have them uh, sooner and on the uh, anniversary, 10th anniversary of The Lord of the Rings. However... Um, as an elf, and elves love gifts, and gov- love giving gifts and getting gifts, and part of the love of gift giving is in the anticipation. And so, in some ways, it gives us a little more time to anticipate <laughs> what these wonderful movies will unfold as. So, um, Exactly mm-hmm. right. The reason why everyone enjoys the Alfred Hitchcock film so much is they knew that there would be that excitement of suspense, that excitement of waiting for the tremendous fateful event to occur or right. the tremendous discovery to occur. It was that suspense. When would Cary Grant find out that Eva Marie Saint was, uh, in essence, the girlfriend of James Mason? Yes. When would we find out what was really going on with Tony Perkins? Right. In Psycho. It's that suspense which is so enjoyable, the waiting for that, that Christmas morning when we unwrap the pretty present, or Hanukkah morning. Yes. Well, and that's why, uh, frankly, I'm, I'm more pleased that the uh, producers and directors are committed to having uh, the film come out the way that they want it and having everything be right rather than meeting a time schedule. So... Much as I would love to have it come out in 2011, um, I will relish and look forward to it whenever it comes out. <clears throat> and I'm just overjoyed to know that it will be. It will be coming. It, 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 it's a reality and will be coming. So <clears throat> it's all good. It's all wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's tremendous to have this creative team involved. Unbelievable. And one of the things I love about... Um, that I've just discovered and loved as I've moved through this adventure is the 
just how widespread the influence of J.R.R. Tolkien has been, not only through the books, I think, you know, through the books certainly, because there are people who read these books every year. <clears throat> there are Tolkien, there's the Tolkien Society and lots of little smeals, and, but I think the movies brought it, because we are such a visual culture now, especially here in America, you know, and we have movies and we, it's a part of our life, <clears throat> music and movies. And I think the movies really, um, at least for me, I could read the books and it was, and they were very visual, um, you know, just to read them from the page. But some of the, the things that, um, Peter Jackson brought to the screen, I would have never even imagined, like the Mines of Moria. I mean, the first time I saw that on the screen and the, and with the technology and everything to make it so three-dimensional, so big and so vast and so beautiful. And, <clears throat> The, um, uh, the Argonauts, you know, that were, as they're, you know, they're paddling down the river and seeing these giant kings of old. I don't think I could have imagined that in my, um, you know, just, just in my imagination. It, it was just fantastic to see it. And of course, you know, Lothlorien and Rivendell, the absolute beauty of those places. And, uh, you know, Hobbiton, you know, what, that beautiful little green door, <laughs> that little round door in the in the hillside. <clears throat> so, and now every year, as I've told you before, I read Lord of the Rings every year. And ever since Fellowship of the Ring, the movie was released at the end of two thousand one. When I reread it in two thousand two and two thousand three, and again last year, when I come across Gandalf, I mean immediately Sir Ian McKellen leaps up in my visual imagination. The, yes. per, the performance was so perfect. Orlando Bloom immediately leaps as Legolas. Kate Blanchett as Galadriel. And, of course, the physical things. Yes. Uh, Barad-dur, the way the Black Tower is portrayed, the way that the blasted heath of Mordor is portrayed, the way especially that the sad figure of Gollum mm. is portrayed. Uh, just it it just overwhelms one with beauty. Well, and I think also it's so delightful to me that his work has inspired so many other creative um, endeavors. Of you know, <clears throat> recently we got to see The Hobbit, you know, by uh, Theatre Saint Phil here with Andre Vien. I mean, what a delightful, delightful evening! And here they are going about the world with their um, with their adult-sized puppet show, you know, from The Lord of the Rings, this one being The Hobbit, absolutely delightful. Not only the delight of uh, seeing it, but also getting to meet the people. So it's just, the works of J.R. Tolkien just have so many, yes. (laughs) Yes, it has so many uh, things. But since you mentioned Théâtre Sans Fil, we should mention some upcoming performances. I have sent the message birds out towards their way. They're so busy with their nationwide tour of The Hobbit, uh, the large-scale puppet work, that they have not had a chance to reply to my various uh, requests for information. But uh, we know from the Internet that they do have performances coming up in January, uh, Fort Hayes University in Hayes, Kansas, Monday, January 25th. We have um, the Joseph Page Theater in San Antonio, Texas, at St. Mary's University, Tuesday, February 9th, and the Loeb Playhouse in West Lafayette, Indiana, Saturday, February 20th. So there are mm. there are places where our nationwide and worldwide listeners to this broadcast and podcast available on iTunes. What Would Arwen Do is the name of the program, and if you just search on Arwen in iTunes, you will see that free podcast. There so, are many opportunities to experience uh, the brilliant work of André Vian and Théâtre Saint-Fil. And it is so delightful. It's not just for children. It's really for children and adults. And at the end of the performance, you get to go up on stage. You get to meet the puppeteers, get to see the puppets, these life-size puppets close up and take pictures with them. It's truly just a delightful, delightful event. So I hope um, if you happen to know anybody that might be in those areas, you might want to think about um, checking it out. And mm-hmm. Tolkien has has affected people's lives, has, has affected your life. 
After our program last week, after our Thanksgiving program, I decided to start a new tradition for myself and see what it would be like to have Thanksgiving as an elf would, with, without any meat, without any fowl, without mm-hmm. any turkey. And so the Hobbit trip report says I went to my brother-in-law's house. I had a fabulous time with the family. I had a lot of wonderful, great food. One sister-in-law made fresh asparagus with garlic and butter. It was mm. out of this world. Oh, my. And baked sweet potatoes, of course, the sweet potato casserole with a little brown ma- marshmallows on top. And my mother-in-law uh, prepared a, a tofu dish, and so I had some tofu. Oh. But I did not miss the turkey. As it turns out, I still had my cranberry relish. I just had it all by itself, and it was delicious and delightful. So it, it's good to know that, that we can emulate the elves and treat our fellow creatures on this earth in a better way, try to promote uh, some better feeling between the human race and the other animals on the earth. And so for the first time in my life, I had a Thanksgiving without turkey, and I did not miss the turkey. It's amazing how many wonderful things there are to enjoy, to eat, and to nourish ourselves on this planet without having to kill anything. <laughs> it, it's it's amazing. I had a fabulous green salad. I had some tremendous, wonderful uh, winter melon soup. It's a Chinese soup with red dates and winter mm. melon and little uh, wood ear uh, fungus kinds of things in it. Just a tremendous soup. Very healthy, very delicious. Very nutritious. Wonderful. And, you know, it's um, from an elvish perspective, I believe it's all about, you know, making micro movements in a certain direction. You know, for some people, um, and uh, again, I believe that uh, interview is up on our podcast uh, with um, the folks over at Farm Sanctuary and adopt a turkey and uh it's not too late to think about doing something like that for the christmas season and in honoring our fellow creatures that we share the planet with and also helping our planet uh with regards to because some of these um uh farms where these um animals are grown create problems for the communities around them so it, it, if the inspiration isn't enough you know for the creatures it's can be for our fellow people and for the planet so and sometimes it's maybe just uh um maybe maybe once in a while cooking a vegetarian dish or maybe you know cutting back on on how much meat that you serve or 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 even just looking at just thinking about it with intention a lot of times i think even our traditions in life we do them just because it's what we've always done and we don't look at it anymore and say well is this is this behavior or is this tradition or thing that I'm doing uh, serving me and serving who I want to be in the world? Or is it time to maybe consider doing something a little differently? So we can always we can always do that. I had an interesting Thanksgiving as well. It was a wonderful time. Um, as it turns out, <laughs> I ended up cooking a turkey, although I did not eat it, um, which was somewhat ironic after all of that. But um, I was with my extended adopted family, and um, they wanted to have a turkey, and they were going to get a turkey that I knew was not a very healthy type. So I said, well, if you really want to have a turkey, at least have one that has not been, that has been raised humanely, you know, had a good life before it comes to the table and does not have any, you know, antibiotics or hormones or anything that will be harmful to your family. So, you know, I gave thanks for this glorious bird and gave so, thanks to the bird for giving its life to feed this family. So and I had butternut squash. So let me understand this. And I had squash too. Isn't it great? But so you actually persuaded your extended family to get at least a bird that had not been mistreated. Actually, I, I bought it for them. Wow. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I mean, it just... That's exactly what an elf would do. An elf would buy the right kind of food, even if the elf is not going to have it herself. She would buy the right kind of food for her <laughs> extended family. This is exactly what Arwen did with Frodo, right? Mm. I mean, maybe not... I mean, this is not that extreme, right. but it's the, it's the spirit of well, saying, okay, if you really want to do this... I'm going to help you do it, but I'm going to help you do it in the right way. Yeah. And one of my favorite, favorite parts of the Lord of the Rings movies, one of the ones I think that was the clincher for me, was even though it was not in the books, you know, it was in the books that Glorfindel rescued Frodo, but in the movie I loved 
that whole scene with Arwen as she comes to the rescue uh, to take Frodo back to Rivendell. But after she faces off with the ring race and they collapse on the bank uh, and she says, what grace has given me, let it pass to him. And to me, that was that I was that was the clincher for me with the with the elves, and I thought that that is what the true elvish spirit, that spirit in the sense of noblesse oblige, that with great privilege comes responsibility, and to let it pass to others. <clears throat> and so, I had a lovely, lovely Thanksgiving, and had all kinds of wonderful. Um, vegetarian things to enjoy myself and my family got to enjoy a healthy meal my extended family and then we got to play board games which is a very elvish activity and it was it was wonderful but it was just a delightful time so um there are lots of ways to be in the world sharing sharing just sharing our lives and sharing who we are with other people and here we are getting into december and christmas is coming some people ask what would jesus do Right. And that's a very good question. It is. But we generally ask, what would Arwen do, and how would Arwen, how would Arwen react to Christmas, that celebration we have every year of Jesus' birth? Absolutely. And the elves were quite spiritual people. Uh, they would be dancing, you know, as they were walking in starlight. Very often, they were singing to the powers of the world to Elbereth, Gelfoniel, and um, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple of weeks uh, with some of the music of Christmas and the spiritual aspects of Christmas. Um, We're both looking forward to that. Um, One of the things I I will say, too, um, and I I think when I first began my life, uh, my life as an elf, I would ask the question, well, what would the elves do? And then I it kind of came around to well, what would well, what would Arwen do? Because Arwen, I very much um, relate to as a fellow beloved daughter of the universe. Um, but I was so enamored of this new world of Middle Earth and the works of J.R. Tolkien, and so I began searching around for all kinds of different books. And there are wonderful books out there, um, books you know written by J.R. Tolkien, but also written from scholars and people who have studied him. But one of the things that I discovered at one point in uh, the bookstore was this big, beautiful blue book called Letters from Father Christmas. And I thought, what in the world is this about? And this is just, to me, one of the most delightful books on the planet. Um, Milo, you, I'm sure, know, although... Uh, some of our listeners may not know, that Tolkien not only was a writer, but he loved to illustrate and draw. Yes, he did. And both uh, both the original blue hardcover edition and the newly issued red-covered softcover edition have unbelievably beautiful illustrations of pictures from the North Pole, which J.R.R. Tolkien did. Just tremendously beautiful. So this morning, I thought as a gift to our listeners, we would share some of these letters from Father Christmas. So um, we're going to start off, though, with a little um, music, uh, because we <laughs> we elves and hobbits love music. And our friends here, the Prancing Pony Players, oh my have, gosh. have a wonderful little ditty. And, you know, of course, elves and hobbits love to party, love to dance and sing. And uh, these are some um, popular songs with lyrics from uh, Middle Earth Lyrics. And uh, these are from our the Prancing Pony Players. They have a website, uh, p3.bucklandblues.com. And I believe they still have all of their wonderful things up there. I got to meet them at um, uh, Comic-Con a couple of years ago, the whole group of them. It was just delightful. But we're going to hear their version of My Favorite Things. A very, very, very (laughs) Christmassy kind of song. Absolutely. And uh, so here is the Prancing Pony Players. You are listening to KCI in Irvine. And this is What Would Arwen Do on every other Friday morning with myself, Tony Tuniville, and my delightful Hobbit co-host, my Lomas Down. And uh, here is a Hobbit. Here is the Prancing Pony Players with My Favorite Things. And isn't that simply delightful? It's just it's just uh, tremendously wonderful to hear those folks doing the the little 
parody and and yet warming our hearts with the parody in this holiday season. Absolutely. And those, uh, they were just absolutely delightful to meet all of them. Uh, the Buckland, um, the Prancing Pony players. And it's funny because the last uh, stanza of that song says, you know, that uh, the movies now are done, you know, but we will enjoy them again and again. And uh, it's funny because at that time there, there was no news yet of the Hobbit movies. Um, you know. but, but we do enjoy them again and oh, again. Absolutely. This 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 Hobbit is so delighted that... Uh, that Tani Tanuviel has lent her fabulous <laughs> extended version of the movies on DVD, and I'm I'm working my way through them. I'm now on the Two Towers, and it's just amazing how rich there was so much material to choose from. The richness of the extended version of the movies and the bonus materials on those DVDs is just amazing. Thank you, thank you, Tani. Oh, you are so welcome. Well, this morning, uh, and if you are just tuning in, this is KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, and streaming live on the internet at KUCI.org. And I don't know if I remember to say hello to our friends this morning who are listening uh, perhaps online, uh, especially my friends on Tolkien Online, TheWondering.com, one of my favorite Middle Earth communities. And um, also anyone who may be listening here in Southern California, we all want to say greetings. And Milo, that's me, would love to say hello to all of our Internet friends and iTunes friends that couldn't make it live on Friday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time, but do download the podcast from KUCITalk.org or from the iTunes library. Just simply search for Arwen and you will see the podcast there as well. Well, thank you. And if you'd like to contact us, I don't, I don't know if you have an, an email that people can want to have if they want to contact the Hobbit. Um, do you have an email if somebody uh, wanted to? That email stuff is sort of newfangled. Why don't you give the elf email? Okay. I'm sure you'll share what's <laughs> needed with me. If you would like to uh, contact us, you can email me or Milo at askanelf at yahoo.com, A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F. Ask an elf at yahoo.com, and we would love to hear from you. So this morning, um, again, we want to share with you, um, and if you are not familiar with some of the extended works of J.R.R. Tolkien, this is such a beautiful, beautiful um, book, and shows, I think, also the power of a letter. You know, I wanted to talk just a little bit this morning about uh, this is the time of the year where we often send letters or Christmas cards or even just Christmas emails, but we that we tend to take some time to just let those people that are special in our lives know that they are special. And I think we can't underestimate the power of um, a letter or a kind word, you know, just to lift a heart, to uh, remind someone that they are thought of uh, my during favorite this busy, Christmas. busy time of the year. Certainly my favorite Christmas cards are the Christmas cards that come with a little handwritten note on the verso um, showing that the person has actually thought about me and has not just licked a stamp and put yeah. a card in with a hasty signature, but actually is thinking about me as the most wonderful thing in the world. Yes. Well, I wanted to read uh, a little bit from the introduction about these uh, letters. Again, this is from J.R.R. Tolkien, Letters from Father Christmas, that tells a little bit about what this is all, what, you know, what these letters of Father Christmas are about. It says here in the introduction, To the children of J.R.R. Tolkien, the interest and importance of Father Christmas extended beyond his filling of their stockings on Christmas Eve. For he wrote a letter to them every year in which he described in words and pictures his house, his friends, and the events hilarious or alarming at the North Pole. The first of the letters came in 1920, when John, the eldest, was three years old, and for over 20 years, through the childhoods of three other children, Michael, Christopher, and Priscilla, they continued to arrive each Christmas. Sometimes the envelopes, dusted with snow and bearing polar postage stamps, were found in the house on the morning after his visit. Sometimes the postman brought them, and the letters that the children wrote themselves vanished from the fireplace when no one was about. As time went on, Father Christmas' household became larger, and whereas at first little is heard of anyone else except the North Polar Bear, later on there appear snow elves, red gnomes, snowmen, 
cave bears, and the polar bear's nephews, Paksu and Valkutuka, who came on a visit and never went away. But the polar bear remained Father Christmas, chief assistant and chief cause of the disasters that led to muddles and deficiencies in the Christmas stockings. And sometimes he wrote on the letters his comments in angular capitals. Eventually, Father Christmas took on as his secretary an elf named Ilbereth, interesting name there. And in the late letters, elves play an important part in the defense of Father Christmas' house and store cellars against attacks by goblins. In this book, it has been possible to give only a few examples of Father Christmas' shaky handwriting, but almost all the pictures that he sent are here reproduced, and also included is the alphabet that the polar bear devised from the goblin drawings on the walls of the caves where he was lost, and the letter to, that he sent to the children written in it. So here we see, even in the letters of Father Christmas that J.R.R. Tolkien sent to his children, we see already the elves... Uh, goblins, alphabets, you know, all of these things that we are, you know, that we love so much about J.R. Tolkien that we see in his other works. Exactly right. Even though The Lord of the Rings was not published until the 1950s, he had been thinking about it since he was a teenager. Yes. Before he got married, he was thinking about the whole world of Middle Earth. And the devising the letters and the alphabets. And the languages. Absolutely. So would you share um, a couple of letters? Um, Are you going to read first the the first letter, just to kind of give us a little context? It's quite short. Yes. The first letter is dated 22nd December 1920 and says, Christmas House, North Pole. And J.R.R. Tolkien writes, Dear John, I heard you ask Daddy what I was like and where I lived. I have drawn me and my house for you. Take care of the picture. I am just off now for Oxford with my bundle of toys, some for you. Hope I shall arrive in time. The snow is very thick at the North Pole tonight. Your loving Father Christmas. And across from that is his drawing, his beautiful drawing in color, of Father Christmas in a long red coat with a tall red cap and a big bundle of toys on his back. He has a long, white, forward-jutting beard, and he is walking through the snow. And also his drawing of his house, which is similar to a Quonset hut, with uh, all in white with red light coming through the windows. The next letter I'd like to share is somewhat later. And in this one, we get to meet the polar bear. This is from 1925. Cliff House, Top of the World, Near the North Pole. My dear boys, I am dreadfully busy this year. It makes my hand more shaky than ever when I think of it, and not very rich. In fact, awful things have been happening, and some of the presents have got spoilt, and I haven't got the North Polar Bear to help me, and I have had to move house just before Christmas, so you can imagine what a state everything is in, and you will see why I have a new address, and why I can only write one letter between you both. It all happened like this. One very windy day last November, my hood blew off and went and stuck on the top of the North Pole. I told him not to, but the North Polar Bear climbed up to the thin top to get it down, and he did. The pole broke in the middle and fell on the roof of my house, and the North Polar Bear fell through the hole it made into the dining room with my hood over his nose, and all the snow fell off the roof into the house and melted and put out all the fires and ran down into the cellars where I was collecting this year's presents, and the North Polar Bear's leg got broken. He is well again now, but I was so cross with him that he says he won't try to help me again. I expect his temper is hurt and will be mended by next Christmas. I send you a picture of the accident and of my new house on the cliffs above the North Pole, with beautiful cellars in the cliffs. If John can't read my old shaky writing, 1,925 years old, he must get his father to. When is Michael going to learn to read and write his own letters to me? Lots of love to you both, and Christopher, whose name is rather like mine. That's all. Goodbye. Father Christmas. P.S. Father Christmas was in a great hurry. Told me to put in one of his magic wishing crackers. As you pull, wish. 
and that last part was written by the polar bear. And beautiful illustrations of the house. It goes on to the next page. It goes on to the next page. It says... Oh, yes, uh, as you pull wish, and see if it doesn't come true. Excuse thick writing, I have a fat paw. <laughs> I help Father Christmas with his packing. I live with him. I am the great polar bear. And then we see there this beautiful illustration that J.R.R. Tolkien did with his new house up on the cliff. I mean, this book is so rich in the the illustrations are so adorable. I mean, and you see the dancing, you see so, you know, that just that, that general happy spirit of J.R. Tolkien. Here's the moon, the, 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 the stars are flying, the sun is smiling, and, uh, um, big ice, you know, berg on the top of the house there. It's just, it's just absolutely. A absolutely fully delightful. created world with its own various characters, with its own yes. landscape. Uh, another world which we didn't know existed until we got the book, uh, Letters from Father Christmas, a very rich mythology in its own right. Right, up, right up in the North Pole. Tani, don't you have a letter that you like, you I, elf? I would love to read a letter, thank you. This is actually the first letter that was written uh, that included Priscilla. So this was all the way into 1929, and this is from Top of the World, North Pole, Christmas 1929. And he says, Father Christmas says, Dear boys and girl, it is a light Christmas again, I am glad to say. The northern lights have been specially good. There is a lot to tell you. You have heard that the great polar bear chopped his paw when he was cutting Christmas trees. His right one, I mean, not his left. Of course it was wrong to cut it, and a pity too, for he spent a lot of the summer learning to write better so as to help me with my winter letters. We had a bonfire this year, to please the polar bear, to celebrate the coming in of winter. The snow elves let off all the rockets together, which surprised us both. I have tried to draw you... A picture of it, but really there were hundreds of rockets. You can't see the elves at all against the snow background. The bonfire made a hole in the ice and woke up the great seal, who happened to be underneath. The polar bear let off 20,000 silver sparklers afterwards, used up all my stock, so that is why I had none to send you. Then he went for a holiday to North Norway and stayed with a woodcutter named Olaf and came back with Pa all bandaged just at the beginning of our busy times. There seemed more children than ever in England, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, and Germany, which are the countries I specially look after. And, of course, North America and Canada. Not to speak of getting stuff down to the South Pole for children to expect to be looked after, even though they have gone to live in New Zealand or Australia or South Africa or China. It is a good thing clocks don't tell the same time all over the world, or I should never get around, although when my magic is strongest at Christmas, I can do about a thousand stockings a minute if I have it all planned out beforehand. You could hardly guess the enormous piles of lists I make out. I seldom get them mixed. But I am rather worried this year. In my office and packing room, the polar bear reads out names while I copy them down. We had awful gales here, worse than you did, tearing clouds of snow to a million tatters, screaming like demons, burying my house almost up to the roofs. At the worst, the polar bear said it was stuffy and opened a north window before I could stop him. You can guess the result. The north polar bear was buried in papers and lists, but that did not stop him laughing. All my red and green, green ink was upset, as well as black, so I am writing in chalk and pencil. I have some black ink left, and the polar bear is using it to address parcels. I liked all your letters very much indeed, my dears. Nobody, or very few, writes so much or so nicely to me. I'm specially pleased with Christopher's card and his letters, and with his learning to write, so I am sending him a fountain pen and also a special picture for himself. It shows me crossing the sea on the upper north wind, while a southwest gale, reindeer hated, is raising big waves below. This must be all now. I send you all my love. One more stocking to fill this year. I hope you will like your new house and the things I bring you. Your old Father Christmas. 
And we know, of course, Milo, that Christopher is the one who many, many, many years later has been responsible for bringing us the Silmarillion, bringing all of those workings, works of his father's together into that giant volume, which is m- one of my favorite books on the planet, and all of the other books, the History of Middle-Earth books, and who the knows? The 12-volume, 12 12-quarto-volume 12 <laughs> History of Middle-Earth, a tremendous literary undertaking. Yes, and who knows, but that these letters and these special pictures from his father, I'm sure, just um, did something in the heart of that young man to, to, to instill a love of his father's work. And, I mean, because, I mean, it would take great, a great love and a great amount of passion to have spent all the years that he has bringing us the additional writings of his father. And certainly the pictures, the illustrations are just tremendous. We enjoyed the illustrations that Tolkien did for The Lord of the Rings, the maps and so forth. Mm. But these illustrations that he did for his children, for the letters uh, from Father Christmas, are just gorgeous. And whether you get the the large, hard-bound, blue-covered volume that Tani has, or the soft-cover, red-covered book that Milo has... You will be enjoying it and enjoying it for many years with your family as you share these with your family, with your children, with your grandchildren, with your nieces and nephews. They are tremendous letters. And if you are a fan, perhaps, of Middle Earth, maybe this would might be a, a nice year to start a new tradition of reading to some of your favorite you know, children, grandchildren, nieces or nephews. Uh, and sharing this book, The Letters of Father Christmas. I mean, really, J.R. Tolkien created a whole world up here at the North Pole with all types of adventures that were going on, with goblins and elves and um, snowmen and polar bears. Absolutely <laughs> true. Absolutely delightful. There's no reason why you can't start your own tradition of writing Father Christmas, or as we say in, in North America, there's no reason why you can't write Santa Claus letters to your own children or your nieces and nephews. Mm. Write a little decorated postal stamp in the red-covered book. In the beginning in the title page, there are little pictures of the so-called postage stamps that J.R.R. Tolkien, including cancellation, called Chimney Post. There's yes. a cancellation illustration, so there's no reason why you cannot make a, a new tradition for your family based on this. And if you don't have time to to set up a new tradition like that, one thing I would just like to encourage our listeners is to, to just to think about this year, just um, the the power of just a simple card or letter, just. And and even if you if you're if you don't have time to send, just taking time even maybe to send an email because you know we do have electronic, um, you know it just takes a second to to type a little note and say I was thinking of you, I love you, I just want you to know that I'm happy that you are on this planet at the same time that I'm on this planet, and who of us wouldn't have their heart warmed by getting such a message whether it's by. Uh, a hard piece of paper that you can hold in your hands or perhaps a, a missive over the, the Internet. And you know, Tommy, I've heard that this Internet email has the ability to include images yes. and sound bites. Yes. There's no reason, whether you have a Windows or a Macintosh computer, why you can't record a brief sound bite and attach it to the email. Oh, that's lovely. And you know what? Actually, I saw also uh, recently at Hallmark, although I'm much in favor of people making their own cards if you have time, or at least decorating uh, some, and or getting cards from some of the nonprofit organizations that benefit uh, in their wonderful help of people through the purchase of Christmas cards or holiday cards during this time of the year. Um, but I will have to say, I did see at Hallmark um, some fun little cards that just, you know, you can record your own voice giving a greeting. And I would imagine they have them now for Christmas as well. Let's use technology. If you're like Milo the Hobbit, that's me, and you don't have the ability to make cards because your fingers don't work that well, <laughs> perhaps you can buy a nice card like this or a card that promotes promotes uh, good causes for people or the earth. And do your own hand-drawn decorations. Write a personal note. Record your voice. That technology is so meaningful to the person that you're thinking of. Much more worthwhile than getting a toaster or a mixer or some uh, electronics piece of gear. A, A 
personally addressed note, a personally recorded voice, whether it's physical paper or on the Internet, will mean so much to your friends and family. And and also, perhaps we could all think about, because I know a lot of people this year, myself included, that financially things are a little tight. <laughs> and, you know, let it, uh, maybe just let it be okay. You know, what if we just did something, you know, wrote a nice hand, just even just a few lines to let someone know how much we think of them, instead of having to necessarily buy something expensive. I know I would appreciate um Ever so much, just a, a nice card, and knowing that someone instead uh, kept the money that and used it for their family or for you know maybe to get a nice new warm pair of shoes or something. And if for <laughs> a nice warm scarf, if for traditional reasons you feel the need to give some gift, don't forget the ninety nine cent stores. For the last five years, what I've gotten from my wife is from the ninety nine cent store. Oh. She likes the little Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse things. And for 99 cents, you'd be surprised at the variety of things. Absolutely. And it's so meaningful when you spend the time to go shopping and looking for that special gift yeah. for your friends and family. Well, it is time. Our time has flown again. No. Yes. Yes, it is. It's, oh, my and, gosh. And, and Emily will be here in just a few moments with, <laughs> isn't it, uh, Love and Romance? Well, it's um, Love and Romance with Emily, which is a wonderful Rose, program. Rose. Rose. Yes. Oh, Rose. Yes. 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 Love and Romance. Um but do we not have some holiday music maybe to exit with? Well, we do, but you know what? I think I'm going to save the holiday music for next week and okay. we're going to and we'll play once once again our uh, my favorite things from the Prancing oh, Pony Players. It's, it's a wonderful song. Just in song. case people missed it the last time. It's, and it's only it's under two minutes long, so it's just about the right amount of time for us to phase out. And we will be back in two weeks talking about some of the spiritual aspects of Christmas, the uh, wonderful relationship between J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, and um, celebrating some of the things of the season again together. That'll be fabulous, Tani. My gosh, I look forward to it. Milo, thank you. Ellen Salalumen Mentiavo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. Thank you for being here this morning and sharing this time. Thank you, Tani, for being here. And to all of our friends, we will see you next week. Please uh, stay tuned. You are listening to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, and streaming live on the Internet 24-7 at KUCI.org. And please remember that you, too, can support college and independent radio. We are always taking donations here at KUCI, and we would love to hear from you, and perhaps you'd love to uh, lend your support to independent, keeping independent programming on the air. We are KUCI in Irvine, and this is the Prancing Pony Players. KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth.